HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. All right, you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Eat Your Words, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. Today, we're talking with some guests who came from very, very far away on this planet. But uh, to introduce them a little bit, um, you know, this day and age, we look at our social media a lot, and I get a serious case of wanderlust most of the time, looking at all the images, and also usually very, very hungry. So traveling and food are just an everyday, constant sort of deluge across um, images every day. And, um, but not a lot of people actually cook when they travel. I think that um, you, know, you go out to eat, that's, that's a common way to explore um, the food offerings in a new place. My guest has a different philosophy on that. Uh, her name is Sarah Glover. Actually, two guests. We have Louisa Brimble, food photographer, and Sarah Glover, who is a chef and the author together, I guess. She wrote, uh, Sarah is the author. Louisa is a photographer of an amazing new book called Wild Adventure Cookbook. So, hi, Sarah. Hi. Hi, Louisa. <laughs> hi, Kathy. Hello. Thanks for having us here. Yeah. Thanks for coming from... Uh, Tasmania. <laughs> You're welcome. I was trying to like yeah. lead up to that with yeah. suspense, but it didn't yeah. quite happen. <laughs> so, okay. So I was just mentioning a little bit, like in New York City, um, some people still you know, think of me as this crazy person who went on a quest to not go out to restaurants for two years, which I chronicled in my first book, The Art of Eating In. And um, I would have to say that your philosophy that you share in this cookbook the recipes here, mm. the stories, is much more badass than that. <laughs> this is all about cooking in the wild. Yeah. So how did, how did that become your forte? 
Well, I grew up in Tasmania and I guess for those listeners that don't know where it is, maybe Google it because it's down near Antarctica. (laughs) So literally the bottom of the world. Um, And as a child, my brothers and I would, you know, go out and go surfing and we would often light a fire on the shore of the beach because it was freezing cold and, you know, cook something back then it was pretty much just baked beans and jaffles which are like a toasted sandwich put in cast Grilled iron cheese. exactly okay. delicious <laughs> <laughs> so for me um I guess it was always part of my upbringing and my DNA and I loved being outdoors ever since I was a, a little little girl so Um, I guess I wanted to become a chef and the whole idea of being stuck in a metal kitchen under fluoro lights didn't really gel with me and my personality. So I took a bit of a detour in my career and then ended up back in the outdoors doing what I loved, which was cooking. So it took many years for my whole, the whole two to come Mm. together. Yeah. Um, But it did magically. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like you really went with your gut on that and you found an amazing photographer in Louisa. Mm -hmm. And um, tell me about the genesis of this project because you were working as a chef Mm. and um, you decided you know, screw that indoor cooking (laughs) nonsense. And I'm going to write a book. And you guys create a Kickstarter campaign for this very book that I'm holding. Amazing. And it's interesting because actually it just came to me as you were saying that Louisa and I actually met on the beach over food. So in the outdoors. That's exactly right. Tell me about that. What were you guys eating? Well, um, basically um, I was looking for you know, surfer girls to be part of the film project that I was working together. <laughs> and Sarah was one of them. And they went surfing, you know, film was taken. And after the surf, they came back. And then Sarah just pretty much laid her um, long board on the, on the sand and then started putting out some food, like her bikis. Um, and I was like, this girl is so cool. And like a thermos. <laughs> and of, then, yeah, and yeah. the thermos and everything. I was just shooting that. And then um, uh, a publisher, uh, a, a publishing um, uh, online guide actually called Broadsheet actually saw what I was taking photos of. And mm. after that, basically, they said, can you photograph Sarah for us? So, yeah, basically that, that relation, you know, kind of, started started then it actually wasn't for another couple of years till um I discovered my like love for cooking and eating and taking photos in the Mm -hmm. outdoors because I still hadn't the light bulb still hadn't gone off Uh for me at this moment because within those two years I'd actually moved over to New York and I actually had a restaurant in Brooklyn um in Williamsburg and what's it called oh it's not there anymore but it was called St. Balmain and okay um I sold my um cookies over here also Mm -hmm. um downtown and yeah and then I came back to Tasmania and I was gonna I wanted to do my pastry certification so I was at school um and then I was working in a restaurant that cooked over fire and that's when I fell in love with the whole cooking over fire and that you could combine being a chef with you know the fire and then I 
Louisa was coming down and I actually wanted to shoot women surfing um, in Tasmania in the wild because it was such a foreign concept to so many people. You know, they associate surfing and warm and bikinis. But for me, that was never my upbringing. It was always Mm -hmm. men's wetsuits because there were no (laughs) women's and um, freezing cold water and fire and food. So then we captured that in Mm -hmm. um, our very first shoot together in Tasmania. And then from there, we birthed wild. Yeah, and we be- yeah, it was basically um, thinking about the fact that how can we make, you know, because I really wanted to do a cookbook and we were always thinking how are we going to make this cookbook different mm-hmm. um, because all the cookbooks that we, um, that you actually see in the bookshelves are all like photographed in, in a studio right. and we thought, why don't we just go out right. and photograph outdoors and just shoot you in situ? This is what we should be shooting. Yeah. So, um yeah, and all of that was taken all outdoors. All this is real. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess what's yeah. kind of interesting about this book too is for me, you know, like I grew up in Tasmania, but then I actually moved to the mainland and I was in Sid- Sydney. So I lived at Bondi Beach um, and New York. And so I had this kind of holistic approach to, um, well, for me, like cooking is not on my wild is not only just mm-hmm. Tasmania. My wild could be on the shores in Bondi. It could be in a big city mm-hmm. like this. Like there's no... I, for me, when I wrote this book, I didn't want people to be limited to having to find the perfect setting. You know, it could be on a um, off the out the back of your car, or you know, in a little pool of water, tailgating, like yeah. yeah, you know, tailgate, yeah, on car <laughs> camping, <laughs> yeah. And that's more realistic to me. Mm. So I mean, I, I but you know, looking at these photos, yes, yeah, some are on the beach, but it's a little bit region agnostic. I mm. mean, you capture the moment of the food and the smoke rising from coals and stones and you know whatnot it's it's about just being out in the wild mm. yeah you know, it could be anywhere exactly i get that sense definitely and i think i i love um you know like your story of like wanting to eat inside in new york and <laughs> yeah i think it, i'm very humbled right now yeah, <laughs> no, but it's kind of cool because you know everyone does eat out because they want to have community yeah you know and a lot of people live by themselves or you know in small apartments and they want community around a table and they want atmosphere mm. and family and so for me you know growing like this book was about inspiring people to have community in nature you know mm. and that you could still pack a you know a napkin of food and have a picnic wherever you want to and it doesn't have to be a bag of Doritos Uh, and you know a block of cheese that's think outside that box (laughs) right and it's about being with other people too yeah um I if I could read a little bit you write here that reminds me you write um this book at its core is about the connection between the land and the food we eat about cooking simply surrounded by the wilds and uh it, it, you know, you summarize things very simply, but um, I think that there's an interesting paradox um, going on right now because today, you know, people can get so intimidated by cooking because they see beautiful images mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, in fact, a food writer, JJ Good, just wrote a piece about this um, recently on taste. Um, you know, is it okay to cook normal food or boring food? You know, now I see all these beautiful images. So how do you balance the sort of aspirational aspects of what you're doing that is so inspiring and motivating with something with like the realistic? What do you think? Um, I think that the book itself is designed to give people aspiration. So Mm -hmm. it's there to inspire people to give it a go. So, you know, I, I, I mean, for me, like, 
I never thought I was a stylist, but I actually styled the whole book myself. So there, we've not had one stylist, not one thing was actually shot indoors. And then I realized, actually, you know what? I have my own sense of style and I have my own sense of creativity. I think everybody has that, but the problem is everyone's looking to ne- their next door neighbor to see what they're doing and they're trying to copy or mim- mimic that. Mm-hmm. So I think anything can be beautiful if you're bringing your own sense of creativity to it. Whether you feel you have that or not, you know, that's like the beautiful thing of giving, you know, when you, you create a meal, it's it's like something you're actually wanting to give to someone and, yeah. and share with someone. So, And yeah, yeah. in a sense Lisa, though... Yeah. In a sense, when we created this book, we we weren't really thinking about the styling part so much about right. it. I mean, because Sarah naturally just you puts that together. And we, didn't need, of, yeah. like, we didn't Q-tips need to do it. Exactly. <laughs> no, we didn't need to do that because the idea of it is like, you know, if you just put it on on the on the ground or where she is actually cooking it, it the texture and the um, the contrast and the colors are already all there in there, so there's really no point in, you know, styling that because it's right there. It's right in nature. And shooting and, in the wild. Exactly. Was that challenging for you, Louisa? Well, it's so funny. Um, a friend and uh, in the interview in the Q and A last night at um, Neighborhood Studio, um, they said, "Oh, uh, you know how how challenging was that the shooting with the lighting um, during the shooting?" Um, and then I said that, you know, we were actually shooting that a lot more at, you know, like, sunrise or sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never really had any trouble with um, the the harsh light on on midday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually quite really love it um, because, you know, it's the, the really good contrast with the light. Um, so, yeah, so I think yeah. we were shooting a lot more. Yeah. We would probably be shooting, like, a, a lunch at breakfast but it kind of still yeah and I feel like I mean obviously for me being the person watching Louisa discover you know photography in the outdoors you know uh, there's moments where we would shoot and she'd be frustrated with the light and I'd be shadowing it and I've seen over the years this progression and she's like no I love the light now and I love the shadows (laughs) that this light creates and I, I love the contrast of the stone with the food and so I feel like as much as my self discovery of like cooking in the outdoors she's discovered <laughs> photography in the outdoors right <laughs> Which and is I think beautiful. I just want to exclusively do that <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. I think there's something just so genuine too about this project that you guys were doing it and learning as you did it but also discovering that um by doing this I, I think you wrote somewhere I can't remember Sarah that you know everything just tasted better even if it was you know not, no nonsense <laughs> ingredients I think in the beginning you you made a pizza just by kneading the dough on some flat rock mm. and um, putting normal ingredients on top of it but it was like tasted better than any pizza just yeah, cuz it really did I think yeah. it is it's something it is something about being in the space um, where it the, this produce came from, you mm-hmm. know, and it's uh, I don't know. I just if you've never tried it, listeners out there, <laughs> I recommend you do it because I think you'll have this same like moment of yeah, it does. And I think it's also part of like it's the sense of adventure, mm-hmm. yeah, that you know you're doing out out of dif- it, something different, yeah. like out of the normal, mm-hmm. you know. It's right. just like even if you just pack, you know, I, I mean, it's that sense of sometimes I would just want to break break the norm of like having dinner so I would like end up just packing our dinner and go to the park right and then you know and the just, unexpected yeah, yeah just the unexpected things that can throw exactly, your way that is exactly. so exciting um 
Let's cut to a quick little commercial break, but we're going to talk more. I would love to ask you about how to translate the wild cooking into New York City's urban jungle. <laughs> so we'll be right back chatting more with Sarah Glover and Louisa Brimble. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. All right. And we're back chatting. We've got Sarah Glover, Louisa Brindle, Brimble, Brimble. Brimble. I just said it right the first time. Okay. And <laughs> their book is called Wild Adventure Cookbook. Um, a little note about how this was produced. Um, so you guys just did this out of your, like, you know, just sweat and hard work and Kickstarter funding of, like, what, 1,000 copies at first or two? Uh, I think we're 3,000 copies. 3,000 yeah. copies. And yep. then um, we actually have the publisher of Prestel, um, or, or actually, Holly, what is your title there? The commissioning editor. Commissioning editor of Pretzel here. It was discovered. It was discovered by Pretzel, Holly, and uh, you guys have now printed it for an American audience, yep. meaning, right, like ingredient lists are... Yeah, so we kept it accessible for actually... Uh, audiences around the world so mm -hmm. you can it'll make sense to you the recipes whether you're in Australia or the UK or North America mm -hmm. for instance um, so we included both US and metric measurements yeah yeah but you retain Sarah's voice because I learned a lot of slang that is used in Tasmania that <laughs> I had no idea. We did. It seems so key <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the yeah, book. So we couldn't cool. take yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no idea that you guys are even called Tazzies. Yeah, Tazzies. Tazzies. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and also I was, um, I really enjoyed working with Prestall as well and with Holly because one of my things I really wanted to do was to keep the book as it was. Mm. Yeah. Because for me, I guess it is a bit of a biography almost of my life and my journey and the connections of with people that I've had. And that's how this book was produced. But um, might I might add too, Louisa and I actually weren't funded when we started this project. So we actually funded this project out of our own pay and our own money. So when we would get money from work, for me at the time it was tips because <laughs> oh I was gosh. working in a restaurant as a mm -hmm. waitress um, while I was at cooking school doing my um, pastry certification. And we would go away and we would shoot um, and we just started building this portfolio of recipes and photos and we were like, somehow this will turn into a book. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then um, yeah, as I was saying before, it wasn't um, we we didn't know. Well, Sarah doesn't know what recipe it's going to be because when okay. we go to um, a place, she would just um, find whatever ingredients mm. she can find, and 
just like cook wild it oysters right there and there. And yeah, scallops. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And mm. then putting the all the concept mm. that she learned about, you know, um, because she's obviously a professional chef, then she she knows, you know, the flavor combinations and and all that all that things. And um, so yeah, so none of that was planned. Oh my goodness! Ahead. So, and yeah, so when basically we thought about putting that on Kickstarter, um, and because we thought none, when you're actually um, sending a proposal to a publisher, you will have everything already, including yeah. you know uh, a recipe, all your recipes and all your chapters planned out. But we didn't really have that because you mm-hmm. know when we created this book, we got nothing. We mm-hmm. didn't know what recipes are going to be yeah. in there until it's created it's by Sarah. Fabulous. Um, it yeah. makes a better book and maybe <laughs> a better, you know, each one makes it, that sense of discovery makes a better recipe or dish. Mm. And um, that sense yeah. of discovery is mm. really like, you know, evoked throughout this yeah. book. Like urchin butter and veg. <laughs> like you this, I mean, that sounds so good to me. Yeah. And I love that it's so freeform because it could be yeah. any veg. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And actually yesterday I was at the uh, Union Market, Union mm-hmm. Square Market. Yeah. And, Green uh, Market? Yeah. yeah, I loved it so much. Oh. You know, I was like, I think, you know, a lot of this book was based off, you know, you go to a market or you yeah. see a road stall and you pick up some stuff and then you create a meal, you and know, you, with yeah. it. So. I love you that you encourage people to just like shop at places that are passionate about, yeah. you know, producers who are really mm-hmm. passionate. Absolutely. There's actually a whole um, page on produce and Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about farmers and supporting farmers and actually how much better your meal tastes when you get a bit of education and history around what it is you're eating yeah yeah and I really encourage people to you know have that education and to learn about that and have that connection because it's all about that your food will taste better Mm -hmm. eating it outdoors understanding where it's from you know and it's like you're paying homage like you know and Mm -hmm. you're honoring um the whole process really right and you're being open-minded to what comes your way Mm. so on that note since you have been to the union square green market what i don't know if you're gonna be cooking in the wild during your stay in new york well, actually, yeah, tomorrow night we're cooking at North ah, Brooklyn Farm. Okay, mm. got it. Yeah. So, so I guess it's wild, you know, we're under the Williamsburg what? Bridge. <laughs> what? I guess, what would you say to New Yorkers? How can they kind of get, what What should they do to yeah. start out? Um, is it a pizza? Is that an easy thing to start out with if they're a little, I, I don't know. I think there's like, I mean, I like I said, you know, the book is about inspiration. I mean, you could start by going to the markets, picking mm-hmm. some produce up, taking a picnic blanket, putting it down on the grass. You know, you could bring some of your grandma's china with you if you want. Yeah. And having a picnic, you know, you could bring a little gas, you know, um, portable um, and you call them like a butane bottle of gas with like the little camping attachment sure. and light it and, sure, you know, sure. boil some water and spaghetti and toss in some vegetables and voila. <laughs> and I think the good thing about what um, what the the Wild Cookbook too is it's not so rigid in, in a sense. Like I like to read a cookbook and just be inspired by the process or what ingredients and yeah. then just how they be, thought yeah, it and through. just like yeah, and it just it sparks mm-hmm. it sparks your inspiration mm. to just do stuff. Mm. Well, I'm really Cooking, inspired yeah. by your use of surfboards. In <laughs> your, okay, and I'm, 
I never thought of that because I don't have a surfboard. But I can see that, you know, going out to the Rockaways, there are quite a few people who do that. Yeah, I actually have surfed out there mm. before too. Great. Freezing cold water. Yeah, <laughs> freezing cold. Worse than Tasmania? Oh, yeah, actually. It was like the end of winter and it was icy. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is next level. <laughs> oh, next level. Did you bring anything to cook? I don't think you can do fires. Unfortunately, no. At the time, um, I was actually working here in New York, and I was mm. at the restaurant, and I was like, "I need to get okay. my head in the ocean." <laughs> and so I was not thinking about cooking Got it. that day. <laughs> well, what are you going to be making at your dinner? Ooh. Well, actually, we've got we bought over some produce from Tasmania, and mm. so we've got some lovely beef. What's that? Tasmania, right? So, what produce? Oh, what produce? Yeah. yeah. So we bought over some um, beef from Cape Grim mm-hmm. in Tasmania, and. And I'm going to be cooking that over the open fire because we're allowed to light a fire there, which I'm very Mm -hmm. excited about. Um, We're going to do the smashing pumpkins, which is in the cookbook also. You throw them in the coals. Yeah, you throw them in the coals Mm. for a couple of hours and let them go all mushy. And then you sweet and then you you, um, get a shovel and smash it. Amazing. And then how do you serve it after? Um, so we're just going to put it on a platter and I've made like this yummy tahini dressing and we've got some beautiful oh. walnuts and okay. some wood sorrel. That's where the chef comes in. <laughs> if I just served you a smashed pumpkin, <laughs> you'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, anything that you're excited about cooking that you can't get in Tasmania that you that is something here since you know this terroir I guess a bit yeah well actually I we went through the North Brooklyn farm um space the other day and we had a tour of the garden and obviously here it's like you know the end of summer and beginning of autumn and there's just all this abundance of beautiful vegetables about at the moment yes and we had right I had a great. yeah I had a lesson in a lot of different types of basil or basil <laughs> <laughs> Okay, basil. basil. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Um, I can't remember the names of them, but all these different varieties that I was like, we don't have those really? back home. Yeah, do and then, look, maybe we do, but we just yeah. don't grow them. Um, <laughs> so not any specific Native American ingredients because I've actually bought Native Tasmanian ingredients with nice. me. Nice. Um, and so, but we will definitely be incorporating a lot of their vegetables from the urban garden in um, our dinner for tomorrow night. That's so super exciting. Maybe we'll share some images. Yeah. Maybe make you a little box. Oh, yes. By the way, you should all follow at Louisa Brimble. And that's L-U-I-S-A Brimble. And then the Sarah, Miss, at Miss Sarah Glover. You got it. All right. Because they're going to have a lot of adventures coming up. Um, And you're going throughout the California coast um, for more. But um, who knows? Who knows where they will be? Well, we were in California and Hawaii because I actually just really wanted to go surf. You just wanted to go surf. <laughs> I'm sure there's better surfing out there than our freezing Rockaways. Yeah. So I can't wait to see your adventures there. Thank um, you. But, you know, everyone now can get a hold of this book, which is super inspiring for the photographer, for the cook, for the outdoor enthusiast who doesn't think they are a cook, um, for the cook who is sick of being under the fluoro lights that is a term i was not aware of before (laughs) neon Neon. (laughs) um it's amazing so thank you so much for uh wild adventure cookbook 
And uh, thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you for having us today. What a treat. (laughs) You guys are such a treat. All of you. And Louisa. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank Thank you. you. And thank you, Holly. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this book to our audiences. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. That I ain't never, 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 never had no loving like this before.